This podcast contains possible spoilers about comic books and adaptations. You've been warned. Why so serious? Let's put a smile on that face. Is it me or is it getting crazier out there? Oh, what the heck? I'll laugh anyway. <laughs> I have a feeling this issue is going to be funny. Welcome to Comic Book Keepers. Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Chris. And I'm Lance. And today, we're talking about the Joker. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to work on my Joker laugh, but there's so many many good ones. Uh, So let's talk about who the Joker is. I mean, this is our first villain that we're diving into, and this is arguably one of, if not the most recognizable and iconic villains out there in comics absolutely the most probably i I would probably say joker's probably the most well-known villain out there yeah i mean i mean you could you could argue darth vader but i mean that's he's sort of adapted into comics but but uh yeah i mean i mean joker's joker's gotta be up there so joker is a supervillain in gotham city most notably as the principal antagonist to batman with a permanent smile on his face he is often portrayed with a warped twisted and sadistic sense of humor he often wields deadly prank gadgets chemicals and traps designed to drive his victims mad his abilities and weapons include being a criminal mastermind an expert chemist and weaponized toxins so how did the joker begin his reign of chaos in gotham city and who came up with the idea of an evil clown as a villain for Batman? For that, we go into the archives. The creation of a Joker is a lot like his origin. Messy, dramatic, and riddled with obscurity. While today, we know the creators are Bill Finger, Bob Kane, and Jerry Robinson. For quite some time, there was heated debate over who should be credited for the creation of the Clown Prince of Crime. For many years, Bob Kane was given sole credit regarding Joker, and Batman for that matter, due to his original contract with Detective Comics in 1939, which stipulated that he would receive sole credit for characters he was associated with creating at that time. There's a lot of mystery surrounding the creation of Joker, depending on whose account you believe. But the basic consensus is, Bob Kane developed the general idea for a new villain, Robinson brought in a Joker playing card, and Finger contributed to the creation of the character based on the Coney Island clown logo and the likeness of actor Conrad Veet, an eerie, permigrating character from the 1928 horror classic The Man Who Laughs, which he thought of after seeing the original sketch by Bob Kane. I've seen uh, an image of The Man Who Laughs and it's creepy. Oh, it's (laughs) super creepy. Oh, it's it's so messed up. It's so messed up, yeah. And then here's really where things get a little bit messier. Bob Kane has come out saying all Robinson contributed was a playing card, while Robinson states that it was his idea to make Joker Batman's over-the-top nemesis. Robinson states that Bill finished the first script based on Robinson's outline of the Joker persona. In 1989, Bob Kane's autobiography, Batman and Me, finally acknowledged Finger's contributions to Joker. But it wasn't until 1994 that King came out saying that Finger should receive co-credit for the Joker. And even at that point, he didn't give permission for DC to share revenues with Finger's remaining heirs. It wasn't actually until 2015 that Finger was officially given co-creator status and received credits on properties starting with Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, followed by the recently released Joker film of 2019. It's sad to think that Bill Finger died in 1974, decades before he received recognition he rightfully deserved. He died in relative poverty and without witnessing people give him credit for his hard work. While there's some debate regarding the level of contribution between these creators, 
all three now receive official recognition and co-creator status of the Clown Prince of Crime. A little bit of light out of this darkness includes the Bill Finger Award for Excellence in Comic Book Writing, which is now given out annually at San Diego Comic-Con starting in 2015. It's to recognize writers for a body of work that have not received the rightful reward or recognition. Now that we've figured out who created the Joker, or at least kind of figured out what's going on in those muddy waters, the Joker first appeared in Batman issue one in 1940 with a cover date of March, but was actually published in April. Originally, Joker was a psychotic killer who goes on multiple killing sprees utilizing his venom poison, leaving his victims with exaggerated and disturbing toothy grins. Joker was intended to be killed off in Batman issue 2 after being stabbed in the heart during an altercation with Batman, but editor at the time, Whitney Ellsworth, wanted the Joker to survive the encounter to reappear in future issues. So just like the Shredder, uh, he was killed off in the first issue, and then they were like, wait, no. This guy's good. Let's bring him back. They're like, maybe we shouldn't get rid of this character that we've developed thoroughly for a long period of time. But it turns out that it was a good thing that he was saved because the Joker went on to appear in nine of Batman's first 12 issues. And to top it all off, Joker is now known as the first comic book super villain. Have a shake on me. (laughs) (laughs) A Joker day keeps the gloom away. Now let's learn a little bit more about the character. As far as aliases, Joker actually has quite a few, in both in comics and in uh, adapted media. A lot of people have referred to him as the clown. Uh, of course, there's the clown prince of crime. Originally, in some adaptations, he was known as the Red Hood. They use the name Jack Napier in Tim Burton's 1989 Batman movie. And it was also used in an alternate universe timeline, Uh, They used that Jack Napier name uh, in Batman the White Knight. Uh, In the 2019 movie, he was uh, known as Arthur Fleck. And in the Gotham TV show, the idea of the Joker, although never specifically implied or named Joker, was actually twins named Jeremiah and Jerome Valeska. I never watched Gotham, but uh, I heard it was weird. In one alternate timeline from the Flash comic storyline, Flashpoint, Joker was actually Martha Wayne. So Joker has been many different people, and I think he probably likes it that way. Um, there isn't really a a concrete or a incontinuity. This is exactly who he was, and this is what his name was. There's a little bit of, just like his origin, there's a little bit of muddiness to that. There's There's even an episode of Batman the Animated Series where in a newspaper it says Joker's name is Jack Napier. And so a lot of people consider Batman the Animated Series to be part of canon, but mm. it's it's in there in one of the episodes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. In interviews, Jerry Robinson ne- said he never intended there to be a real name. The mystery is what makes the Joker so appealing 80 years later after his inception. As soon as we know his origin, it the, the fear that he cultivates kind of goes away because you're scared of what you don't know. But as soon as we know it, it's like, oh, he's just a guy. He primarily operates out of Gotham City, although in some comics he's been known to pop up here and there, but Gotham is pretty much his haunting grounds. His job is he is a criminal mastermind or a supervillain, but formally he has been known to be a stand-up comic, maybe a chemical lab assistant, or worked in a chemical lab of some kind. Um, Affiliations, he has been a member of the Injustice League, the Injustice Gang, and also the Legion of Doom. And his main supporting characters, uh, aside from a lot of thugs and that sort of thing, is uh, Harley Quinn um, was his kind of sidekick. And she thought was a partner, but but uh, he kind of considered her a sidekick and antagonists. Well, there's a lot of people that fight the Joker. You have Batman, Robin, Nightwing, Batgirl, Commissioner Gordon, Superman, Wonder Woman, the Justice League and assorted DC heroes. So I just kind of lumped everybody in there because, hey, it'd be fun to have the Joker in a storyline. So just like um, Wolverine in Marvel Comics, you know, the Joker gets around. He's popular for a reason. He draws in readers. So you want readers, you throw them into your DC storyline. Yeah, I feel like the Joker is a perfect hero or perfect hero i feel like he the joker is the perfect, is the perfect hero if you fall on one side or the other yeah that's true 
I feel like the Joker is the perfect villain for 2020 because this year has just been chaos and, Mm -hmm. and kind of everything has been really weird and timelines have been weird and life has just been off. And I feel like the Joker kind of represents this year in a lot of ways because he operates from that, that sort of fly by the seat of your pants, chaos and madness. And, um, I think he would kind of thrive in this environment, but yeah. we'll just call it, we'll just call 2020 the year of the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> well, that was fun. Who's for Chinese with the Joker originally appearing in Batman issue one in 1940. It wasn't much later in 1942 that the Joker's killer antics were switched up to be more comical traps and elaborate heists and using gigantic gadgets in order to really trap Batman and the Boy Wonder. And then with the creation of the Comics Code Authority in 1954, that theme of being more comical than serial killer just escalated at that point. In And at that point, a lot of superhero comics weren't as popular and because i mean you just finished world war ii and a lot of comics were either like military based or um you know horror or you know film noir kind of style so superheroes were kind of almost funny in a way um and and the joker sort of fell into that gimmick definitely not taken as seriously as they are today yeah so we're going to touch on the tv show a little bit later but the original batman tv series um you know, really played up the campiness of Batman. That was my first introduction to Batman when I was watching as a kid. I remember watching that show and loving it. It was it was great. It was reruns, right? On like Nick at Night maybe or something. But I just remember loving that uh, show and it, it's very kid-friendly and it was a primetime, family-friendly kind of show. And and I think that kind of added to the, the campiness of the Joker for sure being one of the main villains. They made a, a Batman movie, uh, from that show. And then that sort of led to the campiness, um, that sort of led the, the editor of the Batman comics at the time to be like, this is, this character's not working and we need to get rid of him. Then it's really interesting that in 1973, writer Dennis O'Neill and artist Neil Adams revitalized the Joker after a four year absence from comic books. So the Joker, who we consider to be one of the most popular villains ever when the most popular comic book characters period was not even in comics for four years. Yeah. In the late sixties, I think that the editor of detective comics was like, no, no, I don't, I don't like what he's doing. Let's, let's not use him. And then new editor came or new editor came in and said, let's bring him back and kind of bring him back to his original origin. Right. Yeah. So with uh, Dennis O'Neill and Neil Adams, they wanted to bring that original, concept of the joker back and so he was a killer again and he was going after batman and his kind of bat family in more vicious ways and going back to the mass murder version of the joker and then dennis o'neill actually went on to help launch joker's first solo series which came out in 1975 so then after the 70s you know there was a couple of animated adaptations where he kind of was portrayed being very campy. We'll kind of talk about some of those later, but then two big turning points that happened in the eighties with the Joker is dark Knight returns, which we'll touch on. And of course the 1989 um, Batman film with Michael Keaton, that was directed by Tim Burton and Jack Nicholson played the Joker. So we're going to touch on those a little bit later with adaptations, but first uh, we're going to talk about some comics in the pull list that we want to recommend if you're interested in learning more about the Joker or reading some of Joker's best storylines. So if it's okay, I'm going to talk about that, that issue that you just mentioned, which is Batman volume one, 251. The story is called the Joker's five-way revenge. And essentially it brings back the Joker. Like you said, it was art by Neil Adams. Amazing, amazing artist. One of my he's, favorite artists. He's incredible. And the story was by Danny O'Neill. And it reestablishes the Joker as a homicidal maniac. He's essentially coming back into Gotham 
after being away, or maybe he's always been there. No one really knows. Uh, and he's killing former henchmen that used to work for him. That used to be part of his gang because they betrayed him in some way. They ratted on him. They turned him in that sort of thing. So he's going in and he's killing these five henchmen and he's doing it in very Joker ways. You know, a, a bomb opens up, a present opens up and it's a bomb or he sneaks up on somebody and stabs them. And, and some of them even have an off panel. Um, Batman's dialogue in this issue is very hokey. It's very like, Oh my gosh. Like, like, so there's a moment where one of the former Joker associates named bigger Melvin, which is an interesting name asks if he can stop by his house to get a toothbrush. And Batman says, a reasonable request, lead on. <laughs> like, very, like very King Arthur of him. Mm-hmm. And then Bigger Melvin knocks him out. Um, <laughs> and Joker doesn't, he doesn't kill him. He doesn't kill Batman because he says, winning is nothing. He shall live until I can finish him properly. So he's reveling in like this, no, no, I'm going to, I want him to come to my trap, which he lures him to this abandoned aquarium where for some reason a shark is still there and uh, of it's, course, always gets him into it. Yeah. He gets in, into a shark trap and Batman fights the shark and he gets out and then he tries to escape, but he trips on some trash. So Batman can say that he's grateful for pollution. Ha ha ha. But uh, did, did Batman have shark repellent? He did not have shark repellent in the comic. He actually, was punching the shark with a chair and some, uh, there was another character, like another one of the guys he was trying to kill was in the shark tank. And so anyway, but that's, uh, it's a really, I hadn't read that issue ever before. And it's really cool to see that, you know, this is like early seventies, right? So it's really interesting to see that portrayal of the Joker and thinking about how campy it must've been before and seeing like, wow, he really is a killer, but also seeing Batman not, as this kind of dark brooding character, he's very, he's very campy um, even in that issue. And comparatively, the Joker is, is, you know, terrifying it kind of at the beginning of his uh, streak of darkness, so to speak. Do you think the Joker made Batman darker? Uh, well, I mean, that, that could be a whole conversation. <laughs> I think whitt- whittling away. Yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely been something they've talked about where they've had this, back and forth dance for years and, and Batman's trying to uphold his code, you know, and withstand, like we got to do it by the books. And this has been touched on in so many different issues, but um, yeah, I think it's, it's probably has made him darker in a way because he's not going to cross that line, you know? Funny Um, you mentioning going back and forth and crossing the line. My first recommendation (laughs) is the classic Batman, the killing joke, which came out in 1988 from writer Alan Moore and artist Brian Boland. Now, this issue is probably one of the most iconic Joker stories, would you say, that's come out probably ever? Yeah, I would say The Killing Joke, if you're going to read one Joker story, yeah, this might be it. It, it, mm-hmm. it. It's There are some great Joker stories that are one-shots and alternate universe Joker stories, but in terms of continuity, you need to read The Killing Joke because it's it's amazing. Don't watch the movie that they made. <laughs> it's not good. It's weird. Uh, there's some weird stuff that happens. Um, poor Barbara. Just, just yeah, poor Barbara. Poor bad girl. Um, yeah, just, just watch. Just read. Just read. The just comic. read the killing joke. Yeah, just read the killing joke. It's a, it's a really great story. It's, it's one of those stories where you get a little bit of everything with the joke. You get to really see how far he pushes everyone. How he uses his mind and he's able to work his way to just manipulate everyone around him how he's able to escape arkham how he just really goes as dark as you possibly can in a comic book and alan moore's writing is phenomenal in the issue and the art is fantastic by uh brian boland which it's really interesting that in the deluxe edition which came out not too long ago. Originally, the inker for it was John Higgins. But when uh, Boland found out that they were going to be releasing this deluxe edition, he asked if he could re-ink it because Mm. previously he wasn't able to do that. But they let him do it. And so it was really his vision for the inking. And the only thing he, he says really that he would have kept 
from the original inking is the really trippy colors because the original is done in this very technicolor uh, situation and then it's really that those scenes that are at the theme park near the end that he wishes could have stayed really like that technicolor but everything else was more of his vision of what the inks should have been originally which was interesting which is really interesting being able to go back and redo stuff that you were a part of when it originally came out now along with the killing joke the ending well, first off a lot of people argue whether is this canon is it not canon because there's a lot of things taken out from the story that were adapted for continuity's sake so things that happen with barbara gordon they are a part of the main storyline eventually leading to her becoming oracle within the comic books yeah. and then the ending is left extremely vague because the whole situation of this comic is batman thinking we're gonna be in this back and forth forever until one of us kills the other and the ending of that book is meant to leave open to interpretation of what really happens and even with in the end of that deluxe edition artist brian boland says oh and all at the end of my writing i'm going to address what really happened at the end and as he's about to say what happened at the end it just goes dot 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 he doesn't finish yeah it so it's it's one of those infuriating things it's like well did batman cross the line did he kill the joker did he bring him in which is what uh commissioner gordon wanted him to do so it's just one well, of I think those... it's it's got to be canon, right? Because I mean like you said, I mean back uh, Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, you know, has that sort of paralyzation. She she's in she is Oracle. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm talking about before the whole New 52 thing with DC. So that that's part of her character storyline as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. It is. And they always reference the Joker causing that, but as far as it being an actual like canonical storyline, elements were adapted, but Killing Joke isn't considered to be quote-unquote canon it, it is very up to interpretation it's not super you know mysterious i mean it's essentially like no it's 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 left to be an interpretation of did he or didn't he because there's the sirens yeah. and then there's at the end joker tells tells batman a joke and batman actually starts laughing batman laughs yeah. and then it pans away from them you see lights and then the, the laughing just ends and then just shows rain so it's 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 meant to be open to your interpretation. A lot of hardcore Batman fans are going to want to say, like, of course he brought him in. But then there's that other side of, was this the time that Batman crosses the line? <laughs> well, let's talk about a similar situation, which is uh, another sort of alternate timeline, if you will, which is The Dark Knight Returns. This is probably the second must-have book in terms of the Joker. It's not really a Joker storyline. No, the Joker really. is in it. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, this is a Batman storyline. And when we talk about Batman, we'll talk about this. But the Joker plays a huge part in this in this uh, story because he essentially sets up this thing like he's come back, he's reformed, but then he isn't really. Yeah, not and really. Then he gets, they get, because Joker. And then he gets Joker, he gets Batman on this, again, amusement park sort of trap. And he, he basically wins uh, his version of their of their ongoing fight as both of them have aged and years have gone by, you know, and Batman has come out of retirement and he's like, I'm finally going to, you know, we're going to bring you in. And, and Joker basically snaps his own neck. He's like, ha 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 and turns his head Spoiler. and he kills himself. Yeah. I mean, whatever. I mean, yeah, yeah. if you're um, listening to this podcast, you probably have already read. Them. Yeah. You're probably going to have some spoilers. We're going to tell, we're going to talk about the issues. So if not, go read, <laughs> go read, read it immediately. Comments. But he, but he comes out, and so he's essentially like, I'm going to win because I'm going to frame you for killing me, and then everybody's going to think you're a killer. Ha, ha, ha. You know, and that's his sort of thing. And it sets up this whole cool fight with Superman and whatever. But that that is a, a really, really interesting take on Joker finally dies. And there's been different methods of you know him dying in the comics, whether it's a one-off or an alternate storyline, but that's that's definitely one of my favorites. Um, so Dark Knight Returns. Solid choice. My next comic in the pull list is going to be Death of the Family. Now, there are there are multiple storylines with oh, yes. a similar title, but with Death of the Family, um, this is written by Scott Snyder and, and uh, illustrated by Greg Capullo. 
Scott Snyder has been absolutely crushing it lately with the comic book storylines for DC. And this story is no different. It's you really get to see how obsessed the Joker is with the whole Bat family and really messing with every single one of them. The storyline is so unbelievably good and bringing everyone from the Bat family in together, including uh, one of my personal favorite characters, Jason Todd's uh, Red Hood, which Mm -hmm. is probably aside from maybe Batman Beyond and obviously Batman himself is probably my favorite member of the Bat family. Uh, but it is a twisted story. There is some dark stuff in here. Uh, it, this One of the craziest things will, that will ever be in comic books is the Joker literally has cut his own face off and then he steals it from the precinct to then sew it or staple it into his own face. And he... Yeah, it's it, it's not for the faint of heart, I no, will say. Like, no. I was reading this and I because I was like, oh, he's coming back. Let's... Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, it is. Dark. It's... The, it's it's weird. It's kind of, I mean, it's not for kids, you know, to uh, read this and no, it's nightmare fuel for sure. So just be aware of that. Um, if you're going into this, like, I'm going to show my eight year old, like maybe wait a decade for uh death of the family. Yeah. And then even, even the way Joker treats Harley in this comic is horrid. And he's talking to her about cutting her face off at one point, And he just, it's the Joker. He doesn't care who he hurts. He just wants to cause pain and suffering. And he's, yeah. he's nuts. And this, the story illustrates that pretty clearly. That is definitely a darker take for sure. Um, it, it's, I love Greg Capullo's art. I mean, I loved his stuff mm. on spawn and I, I, I love his stuff on Batman for sure. It, it definitely feels very Gotham um, because of all of the, line work and everything um i think death in the family so can you mention death of the family death in the family is a storyline where he kind of again crosses the line and this is the famous storyline in the 80s where he kills the second robin jason todd you just mentioned jason jason todd so in case you're not familiar dc ran this sort of vote in yeah you um, you call the hotline call in hotline there used to be these phones and you would dial them you know from your from your touchtone phone and they had two numbers you could call one of them would keep jason todd robin alive and one of them uh robin would die and voters uh voted to kill off robin to kill off jason todd How kind so of in them. the next issue everybody found out what the the answer was and batman you know there was a a cover where he was alive and there was a cover where he's dead and then the cover where he's dead you know came out and um that that was really interesting a bit of a publicity stunt Eh. but um but that that jason todd robin you know outfit you know that that kind of is in the bat cave is, is 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 an item that you know kind of an iconic image that we see in in years after that moment you know and then even before red hood and all that stuff happens like it's a it's a really interesting like it definitely haunts him and and i think that in the batman mythos it kind of shows like how you know joker is definitely having an effect on batman that that's a that is a checkpoint or a landmark in their relationship where he's like hey remember this i crossed that line yeah it is. They even it's pay a little gross. homage to it in, um, in uh, the Batman versus Superman, or yeah, or? where you see the graffiti on the Robin costume in the Batcave. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and we will definitely be talking about Jason Todd in a later issue because For sure. his story is incredible and all the things that they bring in with his next character. So I'm just gonna save <laughs> all of that for later because there's a lot to talk sure. about there. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to mention one more and I think you have one more as far as like a a comics to recommend. So the last one I have is detective comics 475 and 476, which is a storyline called the laughing fish. And this is, uh, a storyline that was later redone as an episode of the animated series. And it's definitely one that is very quintessential Joker, I think. And it's also a little bit lighter in terms of tone, but it's, 
still kind of shows how weird and twisted Joker is. So essentially the plot is Joker poisons the Gotham city water supply to chemically replace his face on all of the fish. And he does this in hopes to profit from the copyright and any bureaucrats and any lawyers that are like, no, no, you can't do that. He kills them (laughs) yes, because he's like, no, just get that out of the way and I'll kill him. And, um, and uh he's trying to make money and of course that's ridiculous like that's a silly it's not even that the plot of course is ridiculous and batman's like oh my gosh you know but it's like this guy is my arch nemesis this yeah this guy this this is his idea his face on a bunch of fish and it just shows how i can't keep him in prison it just yeah it just shows how crazy he is um about his ideas i i just i think it's a really good story to just show like this is his train of thought and he's perfectly serious about how you know how he wants to make this money and how crazy the idea is you know and also seeing these weird fish with a joker face is also weird and so that's one of my favorite storylines that i've i've kind of found uh behind this behind the scenes my final comic um that i'll recommend is joker by Brian Azzarello and Lee Bermejo. And this storyline is really interesting because the Joker is released from Arkham because in his words, he is quote unquote, no longer crazy. So they let him out. So, you know, as, as soon as you're not crazy anymore, it doesn't matter what crimes you committed, you get released. Sure. We'll go with that. (laughs) And he goes back obviously to Gotham and all of these other, Criminals have really taken up over territory that obviously he considers his. And so it's a really condensed story down to just him getting back what he believes is his. And uh, Penguin is in the story and you also get, uh, oh man, I can't remember his name right now. The Croc, Killer Croc. Killer Croc. Yeah. I kept I kept trying to think of like, no, it's it's not... Crock of butter. It's not the. It's not the Marvel character. This is DC. Um, so yeah. So Killer Croc is in there, which is his. His design is really cool in this issue or in this storyline. And there's kind of this flunky that just goes along with Joker throughout the entire story. And you see how controlling the Joker is with all of his former underlings. And the story again is not for the faint of heart. He literally skins a guy alive just to prove a point. Yeah, this is this is dark. It is. This is a dark, dark stuff and hardly. And this is another non-continuity one, right? Like yeah, this is this yeah. is kind of a one-shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like in the storyline, Harley is a stripper slash working for Joker, and hmm. yeah, so that's interesting. And then at I, the end of the storyline, we finally get to see an altercation between Joker and Batman. But the main storyline is just Joker trying to take over again. And you know it's not really canon story because Batman is really mouthy with the Joker at the end of the storyline. And I'm trying to remember the exact words, but they have this conversation about uh, why doesn't Batman cover that like chiseled shin he has. And I think Batman basically just says it's just a mess with you. (laughs) <laughs> he's just like yeah I'm, I'm good looking and i don't need to hide it i'm just gonna mess with you <laughs> i wish i could remember the exact phrase he says because it's it's pretty funny that'll be a, a an easter egg for you guys that want to read the the joker comic i have one more i lied and it's a really quick one it's it's kind of for the art alone which is it's called arkham asylum a serious house on serious earth and it's written by grant morrison and illustrated by dave mckean and it's a it, it's a graphic novel you can get kind of on its own. I, I think it it's another sort of standalone. It's not canon, but it's it's really cool looking, eerie. Um, it has a beautiful feel to it. It's very Sandman kind of you know um, uh, painted look. Yeah. So it's really it's different art. than really unique art. I mean, Dave McKean is is uh, is an amazing artist, and and not if 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 you're kind of 
you know, new to comics or you, you're like, ah, comics is not an art form. Check out yeah. this Arkham Asylum comic. Um, it's, it's done in a really interesting way. Batman is, is like this really, you know, it, the, the stylized kind of super long pointy ears and Joker often, they don't even show his whole body. It's kind of like he's in the shadows and you see his eyes and the teeth and, and like green hair kind of twirling out into the darkness. And it's, it's done in this kind of creepy way, but it's 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 a really cool style for sure. So if you're in it for more of a style kind of thing for the art, um, check out Arkham Asylum. So I think that's all of our recommendations for the Polish. Should we take a little break? Let's take a break. Okay. In a world of utter randomness, one podcast stood up from the bunch. And it was the amazing world of talking shiz. <coughs> Sorry, I had to clear my throat there. Um, yeah, it's just mainly randomness. And focus is it's definitely not being not focused on at all. No. Uh, our podcast is definitely um, no theme at all. It's literally random and talk about literally everything and throwing in random jokes at any given time. Yeah. We're on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. And- so go ahead, tune in. New episodes weekly. And we're international. International. Very, yes. very well. So tune in. Follow yeah. us on Twitter. See you there. Hey, thanks for listening to Comic Book Keepers. And if you like the show and want to support us, uh, please give us a little love by leaving a rating and review in either Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you're listening to this on, we definitely would appreciate some feedback. And if you like the show and want to support us, that is the best way to kind of get us heard. And use the hashtag CBKCast on either Twitter or Instagram. Check out at CBKCast for Twitter or Instagram to see our different posts and make some recommendations for who you want to see in future issues. Check out the Twitter, check out the Instagram if you want to get involved. Anything you want to say to the to the listeners, Lance? As always, be kind in the reviews. <laughs> be kind. Just be kind in the reviews. Be but nice. be honest. Yeah, let us know what we can do. Let's get back to the issue. Jack is dead, my friend. You can call me Joker. And as you can see, I'm a lot happier. <laughs> Let's talk about adaptations of the Joker. There have been many, and arguably there have been better ones than not. Um, so we're going to kind of go down a brief, a briefly, I'm going to try to mention as many kind of an overview as uh, as I can, and then we're going to have a little discussion about maybe our favorites. So first of all, movies. There have been five movie adaptations of the Joker. There's the 1966 Batman, Cesar Romero. Tim Burton's Batman, Jack Nicholson, The Dark Knight, Heath Ledger, Suicide Squad Joker, Jared Leto, and most recently, 2019's Joker, which was Joaquin Phoenix. So those are our movies. There have been two live-action TV shows portraying the Joker. The most notable is the 1960s Batman, Cesar Romero, and which was on for a couple of seasons. The other one, which is kind of maybe not even a portrayal was Gotham. This is the, this is the kind of centering on Jim Gordon and the early years of Batman, Bruce or Bruce Wayne growing up, but it's really was about commissioner Gordon, Jim Gordon. And it features many, many early adaptations of Batman's rogues gallery. Um, I didn't watch a lot of Gotham. I maybe saw bits and pieces here and there, and I just read up on it and saw some stuff it looked pretty crazy. It was one of those like, this show is so crazy <laughs> yeah. that it's good. It's like so bad. It's good kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. If you watch Gotham and if you like certain things about it, let us know, like send us a tweet or a, you know, a message in our comments. Um, Cause we would love to know why 
maybe we should watch this, but we're not here to talk about Gotham. Um, the other shows that they've only, he, he's only been mentioned in cameos. Like there was a birds of prey TV show. He, he was mentioned in that sort of off camera. Um, he was mentioned in Batwoman, uh, the most recent you know, Batwoman TV show. And there was a show called powerless, which is a, a DC sitcom that mm. was only lasted for like a couple of episodes, but he was kind of mentioned in that. Um, and then I think he was mentioned in Titans as well. And you're watching Titans, right? Yes. I love Titans. So they haven't actually shown the Joker, but they kind of mention him. Yeah. He's, um, they, yeah, they, they've mentioned him, but they don't yeah. go into any detail about him. So it's interesting because like he's always in the universe because he's so so iconic. But just like Batman, they either don't have the rights or they just don't want to show him because it's like it's almost like that's the final card that they would want to play. It's almost like they're af- afraid to use the Joker in a live action TV show. Yeah, and it, you know it. Yeah, it it turned it turns it into the all right. Well, this is gonna be the final season, so we can finally do the Joker because we can't get bigger than the Joker as a nemesis. Yeah, even in Gotham, I mean they they mention you know, these, these two characters, the twins, um, that it's basically him, but it's not not really, they never say like, that's who it is. And they're sort of alluding to like, well, it could be anybody, which kind of goes along with his origin. And it's sort of like, maybe he inspired this sort of persona that other people can take up because anybody can sort of turn themselves into a Joker kind of character. And and I kind of like that, but it's also you know, like if you're going to do it, just do it, you know, um, animated shows. There have been a lot. Uh, there have been 15. I counted animated appearances of the Joker in different animated series, um, not even counting animated movie versions of the Joker, which there have been a lot as well. All the all the DC animated uh, f- like full length movies that they've done. Uh, and of course, Joker has appeared many times in video games as well. Uh, you have all the Lego Batmans, uh, the Arkham um, series, the Injustice series. He even made it into Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and with all of these uh, animated versions and video game versions, there have been a lot of interesting casting um, of, of the Joker over the years. Of course, Mark Hamill. Uh, at one point, uh, Brent Spiner was cast as the Joker. Uh, I think most recently in the Harley Quinn series, the animated series, uh, they got um, Alan Tudyk uh, to mm. to play the Joker. It's so, have you watched that show? Only only clips. It's so good. Just, it is. Yeah, it has, heard, it has no right to be that good, but it is really good. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to kill you. What would I do without you? Go back to ripping off mob dealers? No, no. No, no, you, you complete me. Normally in our issues, we're going to have a what if section, which is where we do what nerds do best. We really just talk about our interpretations, what our fever dream ideas would be for characters. However, this issue, we've decided we there's so many different interpretations of the character and the adaptations have been done. We're going to be talking about what we consider to be our top five interpretations of the joker character whether that and it can be the animated series it can be live action adaptations it can be in video games anywhere the joker has appeared we're going to be making our list so chris why don't you start with your number five my number five is from the original batman tv show in the 1960s caesar romero uh, it's probably my number five because, um, this is the first version of the Joker I was introduced to even before a super friends Joker, <laughs> um, super as, Joker. as a kid, but, uh, which is also very good. Uh, but, and, and Joker showed up on Scooby-Doo, you know, so of course I remember those episodes, <laughs> but, uh, Cesar Romero, I think just perfectly embodies the Joker character in that universe, in that campy Batman universe. And it's so good. And he kind of makes it, I think if the Joker didn't exist in that show, it wouldn't work. But the, but the fact that the Joker sort of sets the stage that oh, I can be crazy <laughs> and talk like this, then all of the other villains can kind of do the same thing because you have this insane character that makes elaborate traps and even, sort of sets the stage for the campiness of Batman and Robin just being the way they are. But I love Cesar Romero. Even, you know, even though he refused to shave his mustache and there's white paint over the mustache, it makes it it better because it's like, this is, this is a portrayal of this, of this 
clown character. And, and, it, and it's this idea that, it. wow, this dude's so crazy. He just paints his mustache. Yeah. <laughs> so Cesar Romero, number five. Uh, you will be surprised to hear that Cesar Romero is also my number five Joker. Uh-huh. Uh, I... I remember watching reruns of 66 Batman with my dad and just watching Cesar Romero. And I would remember just being transfixed on his character. One, because I kept thinking, does he have a mustache? And then secondly, he yeah. was just so over the top and goofy and silly. And He's so animated. He It was unbelievable. The man was like a cartoon. He was all over the place. Yeah, it's it's, it's really just fun to watch that version of the Joker. And if you haven't ever seen it, at least, at least watch the 66 version, good. like movie, because you get to see, you get to see some fun Cesar Romero in that. Let's have you do number four. My number four is Jack Nicholson in Batman, the 1989 film. All right. Jack Nicholson was brilliant in this portrayal. He's over the top at times, but it was one of those first times where a comic book character was taken a little bit more seriously. It led to a lot of other more serious interpretations of the character on screen, but we get to see a really cold, psychotic, more of like mobster leader. He wasn't really a mobster, but he was just in charge of these thugs and just was running all kinds of craziness throughout the city. But it was the fact that Jack Nicholson was willing to take on the role of a clown in a film. And and then obviously being opposite Michael Keaton doesn't hurt either. But just their back and forth was just really fun to watch on screen and, and seeing what a actor of that caliber could do for this character. Yes. All right. Well, my number four is Zach Galifianakis in oh Lego gosh. Batman. Oh, <laughs> Um, and let me tell you why. Please tell um, me why. Because, okay, so I've watched Lego Batman several times with my son. He kind of went through a fascination with it. Um, and, you know, at first I was like, okay, this is a fun this is a fun version of the Joker. But the reason I like it is because uh, his, his portrayal is, uh, and the Joker character in the movie, um, his whole thing is like, Batman, why doesn't Batman love me? And what, you know, he even has a line of like, you know, I'm your arch nemesis and Batman's like, I don't care about you. Like, you know, he kind of doesn't give Joker the credit of saying like, I don't really need you. I don't need anybody. But Joker kind of takes that personally. And it's a crazy, I'm not going to go into the plot, but anyway, it's a, it's a fun twist on the Joker, like how selfish he is of like i really need you and i we only work together we we need each other to to coexist and it kind of takes it in a very super over the top way as lego movies are because they're very they break the fourth wall and they they're very meta but i kind of like that version of the joker how how self-aware he is um about their their fact their legos and everything like that so yeah i'm I gonna give it to uh yeah. zach galifianakis just gonna it's fun. spoiler for my list zach galifianakis is not on it <laughs> It's no, fine. I, I... <laughs> okay, so my number three was Jack Nicholson from Tim Burton's Batman. And um, the reason I didn't have him, I had him higher just because it, the performance is so good, but I don't have him higher up in the list because there's a couple things about the Joker seeing that movie um, that I was like, I don't know if that really works. Like the fact he's really into art. You know, it was like, well, that's kind of weird. I mean, it's an interesting interpretation, sure. Yeah. But I'm like, but I'm like, it's the same reason that, okay, I don't have Jared Leto's Joker on the list because I didn't really see the Joker. I didn't like the version of the Joker that he did where he was like tattooed and he had metal in his face and, and he was, you know, more of a nightclub owner. And it yeah. was just, it was just like, okay, yeah, you can do that. But those are just things that you're putting on the character. It's not who the character is. Yeah, which I, which I um, feel like was their attempt to be as far away from Heath Ledger's Joker as possible, just because it was was so not really soon after, but the next interpretation of that character was Jared Leto's interpretation. And they, they went for a very different, it was a, it was a salty palate cleanser. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if you have it on the list, but, but we'll, we'll get to it. Oh no, I do not. I do not. have Okay. All right. That's good. Well done, sir. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Jack Nicholson, but I mean, I'll take Lego on the Lego Joker. (laughs) 
<laughs> on the plus side of Jack Nicholson, I think, you know, he's got a ton of good lines. He basically kind of rejuvenated the character. Um, I mean, I remember being like 11 or when that movie came out, I was like 11 or 12 and just the summer of 89 Batman shirts everywhere, Joker shirts everywhere. Just like it, it came back. And then with the animated series coming out, uh, kind of soon after that. I mean, it was so in the zeitgeist of pop culture and it all started with kind of reintroduced it to a whole new generation and Jack Nicholson's portrayal of that. Like, I mean, he, he was iconic for years and years. Yeah. It's kind of hard to beat, hard to beat Jack Nicholson. Although it's, although he's not the top of the list. He's not the top of my list. It's hard to see who, who beat him. Who is your number three? My number three is Joaquin Phoenix for 2019's Joker. The only reason it's probably not higher up on the list is because I don't. It's it's so hard to explain, but with with Joker, it that film is a phenomenal display of somebody that has been marginalized by a society that struggles with mental illness and. Uh, being raised in a in a culture in a situation that molded him into being this more creature than person and and being broken and what happens when somebody is broken in that way and it's it's low on the list just because it's it it is such a big departure from what we've come to know the Joker through com through years and years and years of comics, but I loved it just because it, it grounded the character, just like how we talked earlier, how, you, when you know someone's origin, if you know the Joker's origin, it makes him less scary for Joaquin. It, it, it made him a little bit more terrifying because you saw what he came from and how far he was pushed. And it didn't matter that you knew his origin. He was still absolutely terrifying. And just one scene in particular when it's near the end of the film and they're in um, Arthur's apartment and two of his friends come in and he nicks one of them off. And then the other one is trying to escape but can't reach the lock on the door. And the tension that the whole audience was feeling in that moment was palpable and everyone just you could hear people in their heads just saying, Oh no, because you're, you're thinking this is now the Joker. He is beyond point of no return, but Joaquin's portrayal and just his physicality in that film and the way he spoke and moved, it was, it was unbelievable. Yeah. And it, and it shows because he won the Oscar for it. So all right. Well, why don't you share your number two? For my number two, I got to go with Mark Hamill from Batman the Animated Series. When I think of Joker, period, the first thing that pops into my head is Mark Hamill's laugh. And it's kind of hard to beat that just because growing up and having watched the animated series daily when I was younger and just really getting to know these characters and the phenomenal cast of voice actors that the show had and it, how it wasn't afraid to dive into darker themes and the action was really well done, but just Mark Hamill's interpretation of this character was one of probably like, if you're a nineties kid, Mm -hmm. Mark Hamill was like, it, he was the Joker. When people made lists before these other live actions came out, he was the top of the list because he just went for it. And his yeah. his the character design was so good. And it he played so well against Kevin Conroy. And their, their back and forth were just iconic. Well, uh, my number two is Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. Um, I think this is probably my favorite. Well, this is my favorite, uh, live action portrayal of the Joker. Um, because I think he just embodies the chaos and the, 
sort of, uh, he embodies the chaos and the unpredictability of the Joker and how he's not in it for the money. He's not in it for any kind of fame. He's, he's in it to see what happens. It's, it's the psychological experiment. And there's so many things in that where it's, it's just, just barely, you know, gimmicky because there's clearly a lot of setup and a lot of these traps, like the thing, the, the bombs on the boats, you know, and the, um, the trap where, you know, you have to choose one of the people that you want to save. I mean, there's a lot of setup in all these things, but it's also, he's playing and toying with people's minds and emotions and, and, uh, he gets off on it. Like it's, I, I just love that version of the character. And I think, I think Ledger nails it more than anything. I, any, any person I've seen live action portray the Joker, um, my one thing with that version is I wasn't crazy about the long hair. Really? You know, it's grown on, it, it, it grows on you. I, I mean, I, I get it. It's very, it's more modern. Um, I, I like the design of just a little bit more of a cropped haircut. You know, I don't like the long stringy hair, green hair version of, of that, but, but I'm willing to look over that because <laughs> the, the, the performance is so good. And just like how many, how did I get these scars? And it's different every time. And which goes back to how great like the comics would be throwing in. He he doesn't even remember at sometimes what his real origin yeah, was. He which... doesn't re- he doesn't remember. Yeah, um, but I love a cu- couple lines from you know that that he, he has Heath Ledger who also won the Oscar by the way. Best so supporting. you know best supporting actor. So, you know, he says, what doesn't kill you makes you stranger, which I think perfectly that that would be on Joker's tombstone. (laughs) That sums up the character in that line. And I was like, that's perfect. And that's the first time you see his face. And I was like, when I saw that intro of the, the bank heist and everything, it was just like, yep, that's it. I'm in hundred percent. And then he says, I think you and I are destined to do this forever, which it was great. It was just a, a love letter to the fans and, you know, he says, like, I won't kill you because you're just too much fun yeah. <laughs> as he's swinging back and forth. It's so heartbreaking that they couldn't do more of that. Uh, yeah. it, it, it kills because they came out and said that in Dark Knight Rises, that mm-hmm. rather than Scarecrow at, on that, like as that judge in that one scene, um, that uh-huh. the Joker was supposed to be the judge. Sure. Yeah, it's like, oh, I wish we could have seen more. Just, not not yeah. even if it was just Heath Ledger as Joker. I just want to see more, more Heath Ledger anyway, because he was an yeah. incredible talent. Yeah. All right. Well, I I think we both know who our number ones are. Yeah. Maybe. So, so I'll I'll bring mine in because my number one is Heath Ledger. <laughs> sure. So just kind of going continuing off of the what, conversation because there there's so many moments. You already brought up the lines that he said and why so serious is one of those things that people just say in conversation. He, he gave such a good performance that it just became part of everyday vernacular. And I, I loved his character design. I thought like having the longer hair, I enjoyed it because it was a little bit different than what I was used to, but not too far out there. I loved the way he had put the makeup on. So it was half rubbing off. The way he carried himself yeah. being, do we take this character seriously? Do we not? Going from being really comedic one second to being completely off the charts, angry the next, to flipping back, just releasing this yeah. bipolar personality. Um, the pencil bit was one yeah. of the craziest <laughs> things I've ever seen associated with a Batman film, probably any film. Yeah. Um, where they the magic they, trick, the magic, if, if you watch it, he never really stands up straight and, and like he has yeah. this kind of hunched, you know, he kind of has his head down and when he plays the cop, when he's like in, in disguise as the cop, that's the only time you really see him where his back is straight. And like every time he's the Joker, he's kind of like, he's got this kind of hunched mm-hmm. shoulders, round, sort of look yeah, and rounded shoulders, a little hunched over. Yeah, it's so good. The the lip smacking, the you already brought up the changing the storyline with with his scars. And and just that first yeah. scene where he walks in to the fundraiser for Harvey Dent and how everyone was was really seeing him for the first time cuz Michael Caine yeah. was supposed to have a line as soon as he walked in 
but he was so taken by Ledger that he forgot his line and then they just left it like that because the stare Michael (laughs) Caine gives was better than the wine that they had prepped. Yeah, awesome. And and the interaction between I I I love this performance and I've watched this movie so many times. So that same scene with at that fundraiser for Dent when he grabs Rachel and um it's Maggie Gyllenhaal, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um she she uh, later on spoke about how they didn't really prep that interaction and so when he like grabs her and is talking about making her smile her reaction is real because she is freaked out by what ledger is doing because it wasn't practiced yeah and so that level of character creation and evolution that he brought to it it was it's phenomenal and it's really sad that we don't get to see him do anything else let alone this character I mean, uh, for a lot of people, it's their favorite comic book movie, and it's probably because of of the joke. Rightly so. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was uh, something that I think it was it, it was a really cool moment too, because a lot of people doubted, like, wait, him? Like, why are they casting Heath Ledger? It oh yeah, it doesn't make sense. And then and then like when, the Brokeback Mountain guy. When people saw it, it was just the biggest haha. See, like it works, yeah. and you know, good for Christopher Nolan for just like kind of making that work. Um, it, it was the same thing when they they said Bale was going to be the next Batman. Like, yeah, right. Most most of the time, when somebody is is gets a role and people don't think they're good for it, it usually ends up being better than the people they think are good for it. Which just proves that general population should not be in charge of choosing actors for roles. It should be <laughs> an actual hiring department. They kind of know what they're doing. Yeah, mo- most of the time. Most of the time. So my number one kind of no surprise is Mark Hamill in Batman, the animated series. Um, Like you said, this is the Batman that I grew up with. I mean, I saw Jack Nicholson. We kind of talked about him, but the the animated series of Batman made me love animation and I'm an artist. So I I saw the show and I was like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. It's brilliant. And you know, Joker's not finished. Joker was not in the first episode but you know when he's introduced it's like oh man this is this is iconic i mean this is his design like you said is amazing even later on when it became you know the adventures of batman and robin and in other versions like he pops up in superman and pops up in justice league and stuff like that but like that that's that iconic kind of you know laugh and and his portrayal and hamill just nails it um so there's two episodes if you've if you're not familiar or if you haven't seen it in a while, um, well, one is an episode and one is a movie. So Mad Love, which is a great story about Harley Quinn and Joker, but it's it's kind of is a really cool, one of my favorite episodes uh, to, to rewatch um, because it kind of shows Joker in, in a really, you know, psychotic light, in a funny light. It, it The voice acting is so good in that, but also shows him getting really mad at harley and and so it kind of goes through these different emotions i should a lot of really good range for mark hamill the other one is um joker in batman beyond return of the joker which is the a movie that they made from batman beyond but the reason i really this is what kind of yeah this is the one is i love what they do with this character because it's essentially in the future right and they show that joker has come back and now he's facing uh, Terry McGinnis, the the Batman Beyond, and which is so um, good. Yeah, Wilfred Hill does such a good job with that character. Yeah. So, and this is a little spoilers for this movie, but it's I think it's one of the one of my perfect uh, encapsulations of this character of like this is how twisted he is, and you know what I'm gonna say, right? Yeah. But yeah. Oh, this, <laughs> this the movie's is so good. It's so good. I almost don't want to say it, but I feel like I, if you, I have to. Just so we'll just say this now. If you haven't seen this film, skip forward a few minutes so it's not pause it. For skip you. forward. So what what Joker does is it kind of flashes back, and it shows that Joker essentially, in his last run in with, um, Bruce Wayne Batman, 
is he kidnaps Tim Drake. Poor Tim Drake. Robin. And he drives him crazy and basically brainwashes him to make him into this little joker. Like this this kind of, you know, little uh, Tim Drake joker. And um, kind of make him see like, hey, he thinks I'm father now. And, 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 he's, and he kind of trains him to think like Batman is a bad guy and Tim Drake has this evil joker smile and you know, he's a kid and it's just like, Oh my God, this is so twisted. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, he, you see the joker die and you essentially think he went away and then you find out, Oh, the joker in this movie is Tim Drake. Yeah. Grown up. Um, but just, uh, just the fact that he like brainwashes a Robin, you know, it kind of goes back to death in the family and, and how he's like, this is going to be something that's really going to mess with you, Batman. Cause that's his ultimate goal. And, and, uh, it's just to like cause chaos for this guy that, you know, this hero that is all about order and structure and code. And, and he's like, I'm going to get under your skin. I'm going to break you. And that's what I was like, Oh man, like, <laughs> that that did it for me so yeah kudos to mark hamill and also i mean in the arkham video games i mean like mark hamill's been you know has been the joker throughout the years and every time i'm just like it's like an old friend you know <laughs> like oh, yeah. you come back to that laugh and uh yeah i mean he's, he's my favorite joker for sure yeah. and you can definitely tell in other interpretations of the joker in video games and in shows most people try to do an interpretation of mark hamill and some of them yeah. do a really good job but it's like Mark Hamill's voice. It's, it's, you can't beat it. It's so good. If you disagree, let us know in Twitter. Like let, let us know at CBK cast, who is your top five of the Joker? Like, how would you rank them? And what do you think about Joaquin Phoenix? What do you think about, uh, what do you think about Heath Ledger? What do you think about Mark Hamill? What do you think about Zach Galifianakis? Are, are, Are there any names that you would have put up there? You know, would you have put, um, Alan Tudyk or Brent Spiner or other versions of the Joker, Jared Leto. No, probably not. But, um, but <laughs> let us know, you know, um, into on Twitter, what you think of the Joker? I think we've talked as much as we can about the Joker within our time. Um, we could keep going, but, um, let's talk about our social media. So see us on Twitter. We are at CBK cast also on Instagram at CBK cast and use the hashtag CBK cast with your what if top five for the Joker as well. If you have any questions or comments about anything you heard in the show, comic book keepers is also hosted by the geekly grind. Stop by the geekly grind for all things geeky from comics, anime, and manga to board games, video games, RPGs, and more. Take a break from your weekly grind at the geekly grind. And don't forget to check out the composer of our theme song, arcane anthems. Our good friend Weston makes royalty free music for tabletop RPGs, campaigns, streams, and podcasts. You can check out his amazing work at Arcane Anthems on Twitter, TikTok, as well as downloading all of his available music for free from his Patreon, at Arcane Anthems. So it's time to close the book on Joker. So until next time, this is Chris. And Lance. Reminding you to keep your friends close, but your comic books closer. good that's really close to him (laughs) nope nope i can't do it